What's going on, y'all? Welcome into the Hangout in the Holy Land, the recap edition for Ohio State's 30-14 win over Michigan State last night. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. Pardon me if I sound a little bit sick here on this beautiful Sunday morning, because I, I am sick. So please bear with me through this whole episode, and how I sound, I won't try to to sniffle or, or cough or do any of that, but let's we'll get through this one. We will get through this one, and we have a hell of a lot to talk about after Ohio State's win last night. The boys go to 6-0 on the season, another conference win, a win against a tough opponent. I can't wait to break this thing down. I got like five pages of notes, so we're really going to dive into this thing and what I, uh, I saw last night and some of my takeaways. Before I do that, though, remember that you can subscribe to the show. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow along on Spotify and follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. That's where you get involved. We're going to get to some questions and comments later on. So at Holy Land Pod is where you can send your tweets about this game or any other Ohio State game. Interact with us there. I will do my best to read them here on the show. We've got a ton to break down about this game and really a lot of time to sit with it now since Ohio State is on the bye week. And this is really the perfect time for this. They don't play again until two Fridays from now at Northwestern. So this this is a great game, I think, for this first half of the 2019 season to end on and for us to not only gauge how Ohio State looked against probably the best opponent they've played so far, but how they looked so far throughout the first six weeks of the season. And that's something that I'll do more on Wednesday's episode. But as it pertains to this episode and and how I felt about this game and Ohio State's win last night, I think after watching it again this morning, the condensed version, I feel pretty good about this one. There was definitely a lot of things for Ohio State to clean up. There was a slow start, which we will talk about. But especially on offense, I thought as the game went on, They found their feet, they got better, and at times they really took it to what could be the best defense in the country. I mean, Michigan State's really good, and I think that's important to remember when people talk about this game is that, yeah, Ohio State for sure had their troubles offensively early on, but this Michigan State defense is arguably the best in the country, and for them to drop 34 points, have over seven yards per play, with a freshman quarterback making a sixth start and a very young offensive line is is I'm I'm okay with that. I'm pretty good with that. So I thought that was good. I thought Ryan Day called a pretty good game. He made some adjustments offensively and was able to figure out what Michigan State was doing. That's something that I talked about in the preview, which I want to reference here in a little bit, was him not falling into the trap of playing Michigan State and getting conservative. I don't think he did that at all, which was very nice. So that was good. And then defensively, was it was a little bit of a mixed bag. I think I, I remain skeptical about this defense against top competition going forward, especially if they're going to be a playoff contender. They probably aren't the dominant group, at least yet, that people talked about them being coming into this game. Other than the defensive line. The, the defensive line is still pretty damn good. And they, they got after Michigan State's offensive line. But there's still a lot of work to be done in that back seven. Especially in the middle with the linebackers, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. But there's a lot to like with the defense as well. They forced 
what, three turnovers? So it, if it's not doom and gloom. It's not like it was last year. This defense is still improving. The line is very good. They had their moments last night that concerned me going forward, but they also held Michigan State to, I think, just under or just over four yards per play and 10 points. Anytime you can do that to a conference opponent, you're going to be in a good spot. So for the most part, I thought last night went pretty well. It wasn't the slog that even last year's Michigan State game was. I think this was just a nice win against a very tough opponent at night. So overall, this was pretty good, and it seems like everybody came out of this game healthy. So really a win-win for Ohio State on all fronts. This game definitely had some, uh uh-oh, here we go again against Michigan State vibes to it with the start because, man, that, that was really ugly. And that's where we really, I think, should kick off talking about this game is that ugly start because just just from the beginning, it looked like Ohio State was out of sync. They, they get the ball first, three and out, and don't really do much of, much of anything, punt the ball away. Then they force a turnover. Nice play by Damon Arnett. Thought they might look at that play again and review that it just wasn't a catch, but they stuck with it. Fumble returned by Malik Harrison. That was a really nice play by the defense to start the game. They get the ball back inside the Michigan State 30. Absolutely do nothing with it. Don't move the ball forward at all. And then Blake Hobbiel misses a kick. And at that point, I think we kind of all were like, oh boy. This, this could be one of those. And it just continued for the rest of the first quarter to where the next time Michigan State gets the ball, immediately run the option to the right side, fumble it, unforced error, Ohio State's ball. You're thinking, okay, Michigan State just gifted you this. They had some early hope. Now if you can just punch it in from, what, the, the 22, get up 7 nothing then you've, you've really kind of turned it around, and that's going to kickstart the rest of the game. Nope, they don't do anything with the ball again, kick a field goal, go up 3 nothing. And from Michigan State's standpoint, they had to be thinking like, damn, we, we've made two costly mistakes and we're only down 3 nothing. We can totally live with this, play our game for the rest of the way, and we're going to be in this thing. And it looked like that that was what was going to happen because the last drive of the first quarter Ohio State gets one first down and then another because of a face mask on Justin Fields on a second and 20. And then Benjamin Victor is wide open down the seam, drops a pass that would have gone for at least 30, 35, maybe 40 yards if he was able to run with it and takes what would have been a big gain and a really, I think, a, a huge play for Ohio State's psyche to be like, okay, we can we can move the ball against these guys. We finally got a little bit going. And instead, they have to punt and they finish the first quarter with 16 yards, and we're left thinking like, all right, Ohio State has dominated on offense throughout the whole start of this season. We, we know that Cincinnati's defense is good. We know that Indiana's defense is probably okay. They were able to put up big numbers on those guys. Now they're facing a top-tier defense. How good is this offense really? And the, the most concerning thing too was that the the line got whipped there there's no way around it in the first quarter the line got beat pretty bad Michigan State's front just had their way with them they were getting into the backfield on runs J.K. Dobbins didn't have a lot of room 
to do anything. And then on passing plays, when they weren't completely invading the backfield and, and getting after Justin Fields, the coverage was so good that Fields couldn't do anything and had to kind of just scramble around aimlessly. And Fields, for his part, in the first quarter, he looked like a freshman quarterback playing one of the best defensive fronts in the country. And I know that like from our perspective, it's easy to just look at what Ohio State did wrong there. But I think in the first quarter, Michigan State deserves a lot of credit because that was just them whipping Ohio State up front and getting after Justin Fields. That's what one of the best defenses in the country looks like. And it just it looked like Justin Fields wasn't trusting anything that he saw because in, on that second drive after the option fumble, there was a third and nine where Fields had all day to throw and it looked like he had Benjamin Victor wide open on just a, a little hitch route. He was right at the sticks and he just didn't see him. And I think that that's a lot due to what Michigan State was doing to pressure him and, and kind of confuse him. And so throughout the whole first quarter, that was basically the story. It's just how confused Ohio State's offense looked and how Michigan's front, Michigan State's front, excuse me, was getting after them. In the long run, though, I think that what we saw in that first quarter and what happened to them is probably for the best long term that they finally had that moment where another team just straight up punched them in the mouth and they had to step back and think, okay, what do we what do we do from here? Because it doesn't matter who you're playing when you have 16 plays go for 16 yards in a quarter, no matter how good your defense plays, that's a recipe for disaster. And they were forced to really kind of rethink things and figure it out. And sure enough, in the second quarter, they did that. They had the, the massive second quarter, scored 24 points, gained almost 300 yards, and they looked like a totally different group. Everything that the coaching staff that, that we were upset with in previous years of, of making adjustments and kind of figuring out what to do and sticking with the game plan and, and not panicking, I think that Ryan Day and his staff offensively did because from the first drive of the second quarter, they really figured it out. On that first drive, there was a nice third down completion to KJ Hill over the middle where Justin Fields just stood in the pocket, waited for Hill to find some open space, found him. And then from that, the next play, J.K. Dobbins goes to the left for about a 12-yard gain, navigates the sideline, and they're able to finally establish some tempo. And the next play after that, Fields rolls out to his right. Benjamin Victor gets over the top of his man. Fields just plays it in perfectly. Easy throw. Victor does the rest. Jukes a dude. Totally leaves him out of his shoes and then dives over the pylon for a touchdown. And at that point, it's 10-0. And you can st- start to finally feel like, okay, this is this is rolling it a little bit. And they were able to build on that with their next drive that ended with Luke Farrell's touchdown. You go back and watch that play. Great protection. Fields stands in the pocket. Farrell gets wide open. Hits him. Farrell's able to have some yards after contact, get into the end zone for the rare uh, Ohio State tight end touchdown, which is always nice to see. But uh, on that play, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the protection from the line. And just from them from the second quarter on, whether it was in pass protection or run blocking, this line played so much better. And there was probably at least two or three holding penalties that the officials missed from them because Michigan State's linemen were getting in the backfield and they were making some plays. And that's just a credit to them and how good they are. But for the most part, from the second quarter on, the offensive line really played well. 
and they were they were kind of the game changer. They were what opened this game up. They opened up the run game for J.K. Dobbins to run for 172 yards. He looked like an absolute beast. He ran hard all game. He had a couple of runs called back, at least one where he got, I think, about 30 yards. So he could have been close to 200 yards rushing in this game. But there was great blocking. Uh, the the long touchdown run, his 67-yarder, There, it was just the hole was wide open. He had to just make the safety miss a little bit, burst through the hole, and then he was off to the races. And then the other safety kind of runs him down. He shakes his ass off and gets into the end zone. And like I said in the preview, if you run on Michigan State, it's it's kind of over because their, their defense is so good in that if you have to throw, they're, they're going to get after you. And that's when you're going to turn the ball over. And Ohio State didn't fall into that trap. They were able to run the ball and they did so effectively all night. 323 total rushing yards, over six and a half yards per attempt. When you do that against Michigan State, you are going to win basically 100% of the time. That is the recipe for success. So the whole offensive line, I thought, did their thing. This was a really tough matchup for them and a good way to end the first half with this type of matchup to show how much they have really improved, and I think that there's still going to be struggles. They're going to play good defensive lines the rest of the year. Northwestern is going to provide a good challenge. Penn State is going to be another tough line to play. And then Michigan, what we saw them do to Iowa. Whatever we want to say about Michigan, I think the defensive line is very good, and that's going to be one at the end of the year that's that's going to be a fun matchup between those two lines. But just really impressed with the offensive line and how they were able to respond after a tough first quarter. It, it looked like they could be the weak link in this game and be something where like either it would have been a close game or Michigan State could have gutted out a win because just the offensive line was putting the rest of the team in horrible situations. But that didn't happen because they were able to adjust, they were able to rebound, and they were really, I think, what drove this win. Fields got more comfortable as the game went on too, whether it was passing or running. The, the line definitely took a punch, but so did he. He he looked lost, like I said, in that first quarter. It, it looked like the game was going real fast for him, and he was able to, to make it slow down, and I think that the coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for putting him in those positions, but we, we still have to remember, I keep saying it every single week, this is basically a freshman quarterback that is learning how to play at this level as a starter. This is his sixth career start. And this was the best defense by far that he's faced as a starter. And it, it wouldn't have been a shock to see him struggle throughout the whole game. Like what, what we saw in the first quarter, I don't think is the, the most surprising thing in the world to see a young quarterback go through that. Um, but the, the most encouraging part is that we finally saw him play through some trouble, play through sacks, play through not having receivers be wide open and being able to just make easy throws. He had to throw a couple guys open in this game. There was the throw to Austin Mack along the sidelines. I think it was either in the second or the third quarter where he just had the trust that Mack was going to go up and get it, and he did. And so I think that as the game went on, throwing-wise, Justin Fields got really comfortable. I know he threw the interception, and Ryan Day took blame for that um, play after the game by saying that he thought Michigan State was going to be in a different look. And, and honestly, I don't think it was a great throw, but I thought K.J. Hill kind of got lost 
on the play and probably could have done a better job of fighting for his quarterback on that one. But Fields was going to finish this game with a turnover anyway. There was that deep throw to, I think it was Chris Olave in the end zone that probably should have been picked off that was just super underthrown in the second quarter. But overall, Fields finishes 17-25, 206 yards passing, over 8 yards per attempt, and two more touchdowns. If that's your first foray against arguably the top defense in the country, I'm pretty good with that. (laughs) I am pretty good with that. Justin Fields continues to improve, and I'm just, I'm in shock that we're seeing this level of consistency from him and the way that he's being used because other than just the passing I think the most encouraging thing overall for Ohio State in this game Justin Fields ran the ball 11 times for 61 yards I think like six of those maybe seven of those were scrambles Ryan Day isn't running him for shit this season he is not dying on that hill and I love it They are not leaning on Fields and his athleticism in the run game as a crutch. But when they do, it's calculated. He had the 35-yard run. He had another uh, nice run after that that was called back because of a Garrett Wilson hold. And they keep implementing that here and there just really slowly against teams enough to where they have to pay attention to it. That's what really to me is what's taken this offense and made it so great this year is that they're really focusing on running the ball with J.K. Dobbins and Master Teague, too, who, had, who had a nice game in the second half. But they're focusing on running the ball with their running backs. And every once in a while, they're going to hit you with this incredible athlete at quarterback. And the passing game is still humming along really nicely to where defenses can't focus in on anything. And the last thing they're worried about right now is Justin Fields as a runner. So when we get into these situations in the second half of the season where Ohio State is playing tighter games, you better believe that Ryan Day is going to have that one ready in his back pocket. Like they're, they're, They haven't shown anything on film, really, of, of Justin Fields running the ball. And what they have shown is enough to, I think, make defensive coordinators on this schedule worry. If you go back and watch uh, one of the Fields' runs that was one of the design plays, he kept the ball, and then I think think it was Kenny Willekes that he shook with just like a nasty juke and got the first down on like that's just something right now where that's like the sixth or seventh club in Ohio State's bag and when that's your sixth or seventh option you got a pretty damn good offense so Ohio State has a lot to work with offensively right now I love the way that Ryan Day and the staff are calling these games there's still a lot to improve on I think that the offensive line had its moments but Um, Just overall on the offense, over seven yards per play against a defense like this with a freshman QB, line still gelling. They got punched early, were able to rebound from that, had a great response the rest of the game. Michigan State deserves some kudos for being able to do what they did and limit them a little bit, but Ohio State still had over 500 yards and seven yards per play. That, That is the most yards per play that Michigan State has given up since Ohio State blew them out in 2017 when they had eight yards per play and what what was it 45 to three this game wasn't quite as bad as that one but it felt like they stuck to the formula of that game and it showed Ohio State didn't panic 
They weathered through a slow start offensively and were able to pretty much do what they wanted in the second half against a very good defense. What I liked more than anything, though, from this game was how Ohio State played it because my biggest question coming in was whether they would fall into the trap of playing conservative like they did in 2015, 16, and last year. I spent a lot of time talking about that on the preview for this game, and for the most part, they didn't do that at all. Ryan Day did not fall into the trap. They they totally stuck to their game plan despite the slow start, and it never felt like, outside of the, that first quarter, it never felt like, oh boy, this is a slog. Like This this wasn't what last year's game was. I know they, they won by, what, 20 last year? It was 26 to six and this one was 34 to 10 but they really weren't similar games at all the offense was actually good in this one when they got stopped it was because Michigan State stopped them and and made good plays it wasn't because Ohio State was trying to uh, run Dwayne Haskins or not throw the ball downfield or just play conservatively and and hope that the defense would be able to to get stops and and give you good field position. They didn't play the field position game in this one. They were able to get good field position because of turnovers, and and Drew Chrisman had an excellent day punting again. He He was awesome last night. But they just played well offensively and didn't fall into that trap. You know, there, there are going to be times where they probably play a little bit more conservatively, and that's fine. That's just what happens in football. But again, all the stuff I've complained about on this show for the past couple of seasons, them playing conservative against good teams and getting caught in spots where they just haven't looked like themselves, that didn't happen last night. And when you're able to stick to your game plan against Michigan State and fight through that adversity, that's really encouraging to see from Ryan Day going forward because this was, as much as this was Justin Fields' biggest test and this offensive line's biggest test against this defense, a lot of this too was how Ryan Day would look against a defensive mind like Mark D'Antonio. And I, and I thought he aced it. He, he was great. He, he didn't fall into the trap of playing that type of game with him and at the end of the day realized, hey, I, I have better athletes. I should let them make plays. And I, I thought they did a great job with that. So as much as anything, that's what I really loved seeing from this game. And that's my biggest takeaway is that they were able to stay true to their game plan. They didn't get caught into playing conservative with Michigan State playing their type of game. And they were rewarded in the end with, a, with another big day offensively. Since I don't have any natural segue to start talking about the defense and what I thought about their game, um, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from some sponsors. We're going to get paid. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about why I was a little less optimistic about the defense after this one. That'll be coming up right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. Welcome back into the Hangout in the Holy Land, talking all things Ohio State's 30-14 to 14 win over Michigan State last night. Shout out to our sponsors for sponsoring the show, keeping us paid, and thank you to you, the listeners, for listening to us and sticking with us through all the ads. So the first 20 minutes of the show, I talked about how impressed I was with the offense and their response from a slow start. Now talking about the defense, it's almost the inverse. It's a mixed bag on the defense. I don't want it want it to feel like I'm being too negative 
about them because they hold Michigan State to, to 10 points, 4.3 yards per play. That, that's pretty good. Michigan State doesn't have the best offense in the world by, by any means, but I'll take those two numbers basically in any game. They, they did their job for the most part, also forced three turnovers. They can't help it that the offense didn't convert those first two into points because the offense should have. They, they put them in great positions there. So that is a caveat that as much as the defense was up and down in my mind, uh, they still held them to 4.3 yards per play, 10 points, turned the ball over three times, should have had a pick six late in the game due to a, a meh call on a blindside block by Baron Browning. But they also put the offense in position to score 14 points early in the game and the offense wasn't able to help them out. So the positive things to, to go along with that were the line dominated, as usual. They they were great. Chase Young, uh, every week, beast. It, nothing more to say about him. Four tackles, two solo, half sack, one tackle for loss. He was in the backfield all game. He was chasing Brian Lewerke around. He almost blocked a kick. Probably should have blocked a kick, but he just he invaded that line all game. He was in the backfield Hurt his shoulder later on. It sounds like he's okay. Nothing too big there, but he had another monster game. Uh, Tyreek Smith back in the lineup on the opposite side. I, I thought he looked great. He was in the backfield too for most of the game. And then on the interior, that's where they were really impressive on defense in my eyes. Whether it was Robert Landers, uh, Jay Sean Cornell had a really big game. The, the more I looked at him, the more I saw he was taking on double teams. He was in the backfield. He was stuffing the run. He was doing everything last night. He was great. And then you had players like Tommy Togiai, uh, Haskell Garrett, and Zach Harrison made some splash plays as well. He had a sack and a couple of other nice tackles. So I thought the line was just really good. They were, they controlled the game for basically all of it. And they only held Michigan State to what, 67 yards rushing, two and a half per rush, and that's with a long of 23. So Michigan State, they they couldn't run at all. That's something I talked about in the preview. But even then, to still hold a team under 70 yards rushing and under three yards per carry is very impressive. And I think a lot of that is due to how good this defensive line is. It's more than just Chase Young. It's all these guys working together, and they're still getting healthy too. We're waiting for Tyler Friday to come back, and there was a couple of guys this week who got back into the rotation and looked pretty good. So another dominant performance from the defensive line. Everything starts with them on this defense. On the more negative side, I can't say I was super in love with what I saw from the rest of the defense. Uh, A better offense and this is a more competitive game. Uh, Brian Lewerke missed a wide-open dude on a crossing route that would have made the score 17-14 to 14 in the second quarter. I, I don't know how much that changes the overall complexion of the game because I think the offense still would have figured out a way to keep rolling and score points, but it would have changed the game for sure, and a better offense is going to make those plays against Ohio State later on in the season, and I I thought the middle of the defense uh, just continues, man, continues to struggle. I I said it, I think, in the preview of people keep talking about this defense like they didn't have a weakness coming into this game, and that was just straight-up false because the the weakness of this defense is still in the middle, uh, especially at linebacker. At this point, 
I don't really know what to say about Tough Borland. I, I said on Twitter that you can't blame him. Like we we know what he is at this point. I just I don't understand why the, the coaches continue to not see that. But Baron Browning has to play. Like there's no way around it. Baron Browning has to play. The the speed, his ability to just put his foot in the ground and hit. He had the sack where he just straight up ear hold Lewerke. Um he just he provides so much more than what Tough Borland can do at this point. I just I don't I don't understand why it's a question. It's really just baffling to me because when Borland and Pete Warner are on the field at the same time, this defense is not what it was last year, but it's closer to that than what we think it was through the first five games of the year. Because Michigan State, if you go back and look at their chunk plays, at least two of them were right up the middle and were probably on Borland. And I hate to, to dog on him, and I know that we've talked about it endlessly on this podcast, but just go back and watch, and you will see that that film and that video does does not lie. And that that's something they're going to have to figure out because they can get away with it against Michigan State. They can get away with it against Northwestern next Friday. Uh, they're not going to be able to get away with it against Penn State, not against those receivers not against those skill position dudes, and they're sure as hell not going to be able to get away with it if their aspirations are to play against teams like Oklahoma, Clemson, or Alabama. I I shudder to think about what the middle of this defense would do against one of those teams right now if that's what they continue to put on the field at the the middle spot for linebacker because that that would be a disaster. And I I don't want to say that for all the linebackers because Malik Harrison had another really good game. He is uh, the quiet consistency, I think, for this defense. So I don't want to lump everybody into that. But those two others put this defense in a really bad spot. And I will just, I will continue to die on that hill and then get away with it now. But they're not going to be able to against better teams. So that was something that was really concerning to see because I thought we'd we've moved past that point, but clearly not. Something else I talked about in the preview and maybe the most important thing for this defense was containing Daryl Stewart. That they, they needed to do that. They needed to take out Michigan State's number one receiver and make somebody else beat them. And they kind of did. Like counting stats wise, he had six catches for sixty-eight yards and one touchdown. But I thought he had a really good day and gave those guys in the secondary some fits. He also had some some drops that could have made his day even bigger. But I thought for the most part, he held his own against whether he was going up against Sean Wade or Jeff Okuda or Damon Arnett. I thought he, he beat Arnett pretty good a couple of times. But for the most part, it, it was back and forth. And it was a really fun matchup to watch. And there was a lot of barking going on with with those guys to the point where like Kirk Herbstreit was like oh you need to start throwing the flag on those guys like it was just fun watching those guys go back and forth because all four of those guys are going to be in the NFL and I I love watching high level players kind of duke it out like that and uh, they they did all night and it's a shame for Michigan State that they don't really have anybody else as a weapon to take pressure off of him because despite all of that focus being on him he still was able to get open and make some contested catches. So that's something to watch out for going forward. I think against those top-level receivers, Ohio State needs to play a little bit better because Stewart got physical with them, made some one-on-one catches, 
and Michigan State really made it a point to get him the ball. So I don't know how worrying that is going forward, but I thought for the most part he had a, a pretty good day even if the stats weren't crazy. But despite saying that, I still think that the secondary overall played pretty well. Sean Wade was absolutely everywhere. He had five tackles, three solo, had a sack. where They they blitzed him a couple of times, which I think is a nice little wrinkle. Tackle for loss. He also had another QB hurry and one pass defensed. He had a super productive night. You guys know how I feel about him. I think he's going to be a star at the next level. I don't know that they've necessarily used him to his strengths. He, he does everything for the secondary. He can play outside. He can play inside. He can blitz. He can play run support. Uh, Sean Wade is just a really complete player. I think he's the best non-Chase Young player on this defense, including Jeff Okuda, and he just continues to show his versatility. And, and Okuda really didn't do much, and I think that's probably a good thing. We just didn't hear his name. He kind of locked down whatever he did. He only had a, a tackle, a solo tackle in this game. But for the most part, Okuda really wasn't a factor, at least on the stat sheet. And for a cornerback, that's that probably means that you're, you're doing your job and taking care of your man on that side. So I'd have to go back and just watch Jeff Okuda, but I think he played pretty well. Damon Arnett had the forced fumble for some of the coverage miscues. I thought Stewart got him a couple times, like I said. Uh, he still had that forced fumble, still had a couple of other uh, nice plays. So Damon Arnett continues to improve. And then safety-wise, Fuller had the interception. Uh, Josh Proctor had a really nice hit. Brendan White got into the game a little bit. Uh, Pete Werner was like rotating up into safety coverages, which was interesting to, to go back and see. I think people have talked about that a little bit in the previous couple of weeks. But safety play for this year's team continues to be a mystery for me. And I don't mean that in a, a negative way at all. I just, I don't really know what to think. It doesn't really seem like they've done a lot. They've, they haven't really made a lot of splash plays, but they also haven't gotten beaten a lot. Teams haven't been attacking them like they have the, the middle of the field. That is, they haven't been attacking that as much as they have in the past. So I, I just really don't know what to think about the safety play so far. Somebody far, far more smarter than me to, to that knows more about defenses could break that down. But just from my view, I, I don't really know a lot about what to take away from the safety so far or from this game other than they, they didn't play bad. So that that's my official take on it. Overall on the defense, um, they, they've improved a lot. And I think that that's important to remember is that they're, they're coming from a place the last few years where they weren't like outright bad when it comes to SP plus or just in terms of other teams in the country. But from what we've known for Ohio state and playing defense, they weren't good. And this year they have been much better. I think this is one of the top 15 defenses in the country right now. They're, they're definitely not the unit that people wanted them to be after last week where people were saying this is maybe the best defense in the country. This is one of the best groups. They are awesome. They fixed everything. I don't think that that's true, but they're still pretty good. And I think that they can get to that point. Playing a middle linebacker who fits against the way offenses like to play football in 2019 would be a big help. I think that that could still completely change what I think about this defense. But other than that, they they've done their part 
They did their part last night. The defensive line is awesome. And then at other points, they, they've got really good players, whether it's Malik Harrison, Sean Wade, Jeff Okuda, um, the Damon Arnett in spots. I think that they're going to continue to get better. They don't have really much of a challenge after the bye week with this Northwestern offense. But as I've said all year, any opponent for them is still a good chance to improve and get to where they want to be at the end of the season. So a little bit hit or miss last night. I think a better offense could have given them a better game and they kind of lucked out on a couple of plays Michigan State didn't make. But for the most part, they were good, held them under five yards per play, 10 points. That's going to win you a lot of games. Overall, this was a damn good win. Ohio State took care of a good team, one of the best defenses in the country, and were able to withstand a really tough start to dominate from the second quarter on. The offense played wonderful for those last three quarters. They were able to run the ball, which was super encouraging. This uh, this run game, I, I don't think any of us expected this so far. That That's like one thing where I'm legitimately surprised at how good this run game is this season. I thought that J.K. Dobbins was going to have a really good year, but he's on pace for over 1,600 yards in just 12 games, not even counting what he could do in postseason. Like We need to start thinking about J.K. Dobbins maybe running for 2,000 yards this season, which is incredible. So as much as anything, the, the way that the offense played and how the offensive line and Justin Fields just got better throughout the whole game and they didn't fall into the trap of playing a field position game with Michigan State is is something that I really love to see. Before I get out of here, let's get to a couple of questions. Remember, you can always send your questions to at Holy Land Pod or to me at Dubsco, and I will read them here on the show. We'll start off with Jake, who says, JK for Heisman, because he absolutely punished one of the best rushing defenses in the country, and Master Teague looked pretty damn good as well. I love this team. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins, if they continue to win games, is going to shoot up that list as much as uh, anyone. And Justin Fields being right there may split that vote up a little bit or split up that attention. And even having a guy like Chase Young, too, who is so dominant, may split up that attention between all three to where really none of them benefit from it. But J.K. Dobbins is going to get a lot of chances here uh, for the rest of the season to prove that and be in the Heisman discussion that game against Wisconsin if both of these teams are still undefeated I think that that's going to be one of the major storylines is J.K. Dobbins against uh, Jonathan Taylor and how those two running backs match up and if Ohio State wins and Dobbins has a really good game then I think you really start to hear the talk about uh, him being being a true Heisman candidate, and that really start to come into the fold. And the closer he gets to 2,000 yards, too, that's going to determine a lot of that. And agreed on Master Teague, he is just a no-nonsense type of runner. He is going to get upfield, and they're trusting him a lot more in key situations, which is great to see. He He's a hell of a runner, and I hope somehow they have enough garbage time the rest of the season where both him and Dobbins go over 1,000 yards. That would be really cool and something that I don't think anybody could have predicted. At this point, he's on pace for just over 800 yards. So if he's able to get a little more run here uh, and some blowouts, that'd be awesome. Action Jackson says, Who do we have to pay to keep five on the field every defensive snap? 
I don't know. Maybe we should start the the Hangout in the Holy Land uh, GoFundMe to keep Baron Browning on the field. But I would dedicate a little bit of my check to that each week to keeping Baron Browning on the field. So uh, whoever we have to pay, please uh, reach out to the show. We will make sure that your pocket is a little bit fatter because uh, we all need to see Baron Browning on the field more. Building on the run game thoughts from earlier, Wade says, I believe Ohio State's rushing attack is the best in the country after tonight's performance. I agree. They're, the line played awesome after that first quarter. They opened up a lot of big holes. And then J.K. Dobbins, Teague, and Justin Fields, they all offer something completely different, which I think is great. They all complement each other with their running styles in different ways. And uh, th- it's funny that we're talking about Ohio State's run game is the best in the country because when Ryan Day took over, it was like, oh, t- Get ready to unlearn everything you thought you knew about Ohio State's offense. It's no more run game. It's slinging the ball around. Ryan Day's going to change all of this. Urban Meyer is gone. They're running the ball even better than they have the last two years. So that just goes to show how Ryan Day really doesn't care how he moves the ball. It could be passing the ball. It could be running the ball. He is going to get the ball to his playmakers. And this offensive line and their improvement have been able to open things up for them that really haven't been there the last few seasons. Josh says he doesn't have any real big takeaways from the game. He's just glad there was no D'Antonio Juju and we made it out with a big win and minimal injuries. Always important that to get out of that type of game, a super chippy game, no less, and a really physical game, probably one of the most physical of the year without any major injuries, at least from this point as to what we know now, uh, that, that's a big deal. So and, and to just not have to worry about D'Antonio for the rest of the year is also great. On that same line, Brad says, when ugly wins are 34-10, to 10, everything is okay. I think you're onto something, Brad. And when you look at the box score, it wasn't just like what last year's game was where they won by 20, but when you really dove into it, you could tell that it was ugly. This one wasn't ugly. The first quarter was, but that credit goes to Michigan State for playing tough. They figured things out, adjusted, and dropped over 500 yards and 34 points on one of the best defenses in the country. They still got some things to figure out on offense and defense, but to do that against a team that has traditionally given you a lot of trouble is great, and they can figure all of that stuff out on the bye week and continue moving forward. Thanks to everybody for reaching out and sending us a tweet, getting involved with the show. You can always do that. Send a tweet at Holy Land Pod or to me at Dubsco, and I will get you on here, especially in these recap editions. I love having your guys' uh, thoughts on these games here on the show. I don't really have any other final thoughts. I've rambled for almost 40 minutes. I think uh, my, my thoughts are clear on this game. I hope I didn't sound too sick or awful for it and that all of my... Uh, takes were coherent, but I, I like where Ohio State is at right now. 6-0, and heading into the bye after a win against a team that is just tough as hell to play and another offensive performance that puts you amongst the best in the country, if not the best. Um, it's hard to complain about anything. Even for the defense, they're at least at the point where they aren't giving up a 30-yard gain up the middle every third or fourth play. So there's a lot to be encouraged with about this team, and I think that they're only going to get better. This isn't the final version of 2019 Ohio State that we have seen so far, and what we've seen so far has been pretty damn good. So I'm excited to see how they come off of this bye, 
play at Northwestern on that Friday and really kick into gear in this stretch of October as the playoff race heats up. That's it for today's show. want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure, if you like the show, to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. I am at Dubsco. Stay tuned with all the other shows we have here on the Land Grant Holy Land Network. We got a podcast episode, a new one, a different show coming to your ears every single day, seven days a week, new audio content for you. So keep up with everything we have going on there. I will be back probably on Wednesday to just talk general Ohio State stuff. That may be like a mailbag episode. So hit up at Holy Land Pod with your thoughts on the first six games so far this season. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about everything else going on in college football this week. But we got an open week to kind of chat about what we've seen from Ohio State so far. So I'm looking forward to that, and I will talk to you probably either late Tuesday or early Wednesday. So get those questions in. Until then, though, I want to thank you guys one last time for listening to today's episode. My name is Colton Denning. This is The Hangout in the Holy Land. And go Bucks.